0: This is Tailgate Till May, your place for year-round college sports talk. I'm your host, Steven Gorgie, and I'm excited to be back for another episode. And this isn't just any episode. It's here. It's basically football season because today... We're going to kick off our college football season preview series with the Big 12. They were the first conference to host a football media day, and they are going to be the first conference that we talk about. And Brian, I'm excited to have you back today because almost a year ago to the day, July 18th, 2022 we did our 2022 Big 12 football preview. That's when I kind of brought back tailgate till May in earnest. That's when you came aboard. And that was episode 12 for us today will be episode 72 so we've done 60 episodes since our big 12 preview last year we've gone through a football we've gone through an entire football season a basketball season uh transfer portals galore uh now back through another football offseason. so uh it i'm just excited to be here today man and uh i want to thank you for all of your help over the last year and everybody out there who's who's listened uh, because it's 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 been a ton of fun so uh welcome back and, and how are
1: I'm doing great, man. I'm happy to be back. It's been too long, a couple of weeks off, a couple of different beach trips, but that is, uh, I can attest now, the best way to kill time until it's actually time to talk about actual football. Uh, because you're right, I'm so excited that we're ready to talk previews. And that is not, by the way, a slight on your and Ben's draft episode. Phenomenal listen. Loved it. Eric Cartman, sleeper pick of the century. That was great. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited that we're ready to talk about what's ahead So let's get into it.
0: Yeah, as much fun as that was, and that was an absolutely unbelievable little monologue by Ben on why Eric (laughs) Cartman would make a great college football coach, there's nothing better than actually talking about the games. And we're not quite talking about the games yet, but we're talking about what we think the games are going to look like. So let's dive right into this thing. No Ben today, but it's Brian and I breaking down the Big 12. And we're going to use a really similar format to what we did last year. We're going to do three downs where we ask three questions that we think are critical to understanding the league, the bull and the bear. We talk about what coach, player, team, thing, concept, whatever we're bullish on and bearish on, who we're buying, who we're selling. And then, of course, this wouldn't be tailgate till May if we didn't finish off. With some best bets, so this year not going to do a little uh, a recap of the league like I did last season, uh, because for this league anyway, th- there was really one and a half stories. It was TCU coming out of nowhere to win the or not to win the league to go to the <laughs> College ball Playoff in the national championship game, and there was Kansas State actually winning the league the teams in purple were the teams to talk about last year that's it that's the recap that's what there was I will say Brian on last year's preview episode I talked a lot a lot a lot about how much TCU had coming back, how much I like Sunny Dykes, how I thought they could be one of the most explosive offenses in the country. And uh, boy, did that come to fruition. It took every ounce of strength I had in my body not to cut up a bunch of those clips because I, I went back and I listened to that whole episode from last year and we got some things wrong too, but that was one we were, we were very right on.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. Incredible job by you. And you and you kept it going. You were very, very early when TCU, okay, they won some games early and they they were ranked 23rd and you were like, I think this team is better than people are seeing. And they pulled another upset or held on to another late lead or came back like as they did so frequently. And I think this team's really good. So kudos to you. You deserve your flowers. We should cut that up. That's the type of content people need to know that, You're the voice that they should trust. But kudos to you because that that was awesome. And uh, let's see what you got this year.
0: Yeah, that was last year. This is this year. So let's talk about the year ahead in the Big 12 with our three questions. And my first question I think is critical to understanding this league, Brian, is where does Quinn yours rank among the league's quarterbacks? I think, and I told you this uh, ahead of the show, I think it is undisputable. Texas is strong everywhere. They've recruited really well. They seem to be strong in the trenches. They have a good defense. Uh, they have talent galore at receiver, uh, a really strong r- strong res- receiving core, uh, good offensive line. They seem to have it everywhere. And I think ultimately this whole season for them comes down to how good is Quinn Ewers actually? Is he... The guy who was the number one overall recruit coming out of high school, who earned the perfect score. Is he a Heisman caliber quarterback? Uh, The answer to that question, I think, determines whether Texas will win the Big 12, which they're favored to do at the moment, whether they can make the college ball playoff and uh, potentially go all the way to a national championship. So where does Quinn yours rank to you in the Big 12 as far as quarterbacks go?
1: I think it's a fair question, and I think it is among the most important questions for this league this year, uh, bar none. You and I spoke before we came on here, uh, and you on the record with this in the past too. I am going to have him ranked higher than you. But what I think is important for me to say is I'm watching the same games that you're watching. It's not so much that I've seen a ton from him that I'm obsessed with, though I think he he has made throws that show the talent that got him the perfect rating. I think there's no doubt about that. It's actually some of like the little stuff that you wish he would do a little bit better that you almost assumed that he would do a little bit better that he can improve upon. But I, if I'm being honest, I I don't think this is a great quarterback league. I think if if we're going to get, you know, later on in our preview season, a league like the PAC 12, where you could talk about quarterbacks galore uh, in that league. So, I'm beating around the bush. If I have to give you a, you know, a number, I think I'm talking about maybe third or fourth. I, I really like Dylan Gabriel. I really like Jalen Daniels. I, there, you know, there's a few fringe guys there. I'm not ready to put Will Howard or Blake Shapin above him. I do like those guys. But I think like I think I saw enough. Not You're not going to automatically assume that the improvements are made that you think you can make, but he's made big-time throws. He's got a, a huge time supporting cast like you elaborated on. So I, I think I would call him upper-middle class of the Big 12. I mean, if you think about it, right, and, and uh, I'm outing myself here as somebody who reads way too early NFL draft articles, and that's, that's a shame, uh, but it seems like from what you read – Quinn Yours would have to play his way out of the first round this year, even though statistically and with our eyeballs, we haven't seen some consistent excellence from him since he's been in Austin. So I'm kind of trusting the process a bit with I think with his supporting cast and with another year in Stark System, he's gonna be there at the at the near the top of the of the QB class in the conference.
0: Okay. I think I'm pretty closely aligned with you as far as, you know, maybe he could be, he could be third, but I cannot put him any higher than third right now because to me, Dylan Gabriel and Jalen Daniels are the two best quarterbacks in this league. Like I think they are both head and shoulders above Quinn yours right now. And Quinn yours in that Alabama game. Yes, he was excellent. Yes. He made a ton of great plays, but it just feels like when we have the Quinn yours conversation, all anybody wants to talk about is that Alabama game. Nobody wants to talk about the Oklahoma state game where he threw one touchdown and three interceptions. Nobody wants to talk about the fact that he was under 60% completion percentage. The thing that was really telling to me, Brian, when I went back and looked at Quinn season last year is he had an outstanding running game around him. He had Bijan Robinson in his backfield and Roshan Johnson too, really good player uh, in in the backfield for Texas as well. They had so much threat of the running game. Defenses had to respect that so much and What I noticed when I went back and looked at some of the stats is that yours was really good in play action situations. His uh, yards per attempt was way higher. His completion percentage was still not great, 60%, but still higher than it was overall. But in non-play action situations, he was just 53% completion percentage through eight touchdowns to five interceptions. So what that tells me was when the defense knew they had to throw the ball, he didn't perform. And that's really concerning for me if you're going to tell me that he is going to be the quarterback of a team that has national championship aspirations and has conference championship winning aspirations. You got to be able to throw the ball when everybody knows you're going to throw the ball. So to me, he is very much still in this mix of quarterbacks uh, below below Gabriel and uh, – and, below uh oh my god i'm drawing a blank we just talked about him Kansas jalen, daniels. Back. jalen daniels he, he's below those two guys he is closer to me like would you how would you compare him to will howard because i think he's pretty close to will howard
1: yeah i mean like i almost so you're having a very real i saw with my eyeballs conversation like i think he's more talented than will howard like i think he he has a like more arm strength, more you know, like. Uh, but you're right; the numbers show. Yes, he's he's in line with a Will Howard. That's the guy I mentioned along with like a a Blake Shapen. I mean, I don't know who the middle of the pack. You can. It's kind of a jumbled mess of of quarterbacks there. I I look at him favorably to those guys, but that is the conversation he needs to be in at this point.
0: Yeah. Hunter Decker's from Iowa State is a guy who. I mean, he got a ton of flack last season. They had a very bad season. Their offense was not good. I blame a, a good bit of that on the offensive line. Honestly, his receivers dropped a lot of balls, too. Xavier Hutchinson, great receiver, had a great year, but he basically dropped the ball against Texas that would have uh, would have won the game for them, right, if you remember that. But if you look at it statistically, if you look at pro football focus and how they rank the quarterbacks, those are professionals uh, you know, who actually... Watch these games and grade out these players. Hunter Deckers graded out better than Quinn Ewers did. I mean, I think that has to mean something. I feel like with Ewers, I think he has the certainly has the ability to take a giant step up, but I think it's a pretty big assumption to just say, yes, he's definitely taking this step up because of Steve Sarkeesian's track record developing quarterbacks, because of the fact that he was. Uh, the top quarterback in his class, the top player in his recruiting class, I think it's a big assumption. And I just can't get there. At times, I'm a little bit more of a, you know, you got to prove it to me guy. And sometimes I'm a little bit more willing to, to buy into something. But with yours, it feels to me a lot like a guy who was drafted in the first round that keeps getting contracts because he was drafted in the first round, not necessarily because of what he's doing on the field outside of that Alabama game. Carson
1: Wentz. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Shit doesn't belong in the league anymore. I think that's fair. I mean, listen, I'm, you know, what's funny. He, he's got another Alabama game (laughs) really, really soon. And so it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating early on this season because not for nothing. And, and you know, if whoever had under 13 minutes till Brian mentioned Arch Manning in the Big 12 preview is going to hit their bet but like it an equally hyped recruit obviously the last name contributed to that but like it it this season and this is so prototypical Big 12 too right like it could teeter like could you could see Texas going 10 and 2 and you could see him going you know, five and seven and having to make a change and all that stuff could happen really quickly. Um, it's just interesting. Cause he is, he is bearing down, right? Like you didn't think Arch Manning was going to pick a school where he would have to wait very long to play guys of his stature. Don't really generally do that. So, uh- it is interesting. He's going to have to step it up quick because you're right. He played well against Alabama last year. Lots of guys play play well against a team once and, and not a second time. And if you don't think that Nick Saban is looking at what Quinn Ewers did well and is going to try to prepare for it, 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 it could go off the rails quick. I, I think that that is worth considering.
0: And let us not forget, not only is Arch Manning there waiting in the wings – There's this guy named Malik Murphy who everybody loves. Everybody who sees Texas in person, who goes to a practice, comes away raving about Malik Murphy. And there's a lot of chatter that I, 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 my understanding is that Malik Murphy is a guy that if he had entered the transfer portal, he would probably be the starting quarterback at somewhere like Florida right now. Who Mm. is going to start Graham Mertz this season? (laughs) He he could have started. He he could be a starter somewhere in the very upper echelon of college football, and he chose to stay at Texas. And so they have three really good quarterbacks. And I think it's important to note, you know, it's an old saying and it's a cliche. When you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks, right? And we've heard it for years and we roll our eyes and we laugh at it and, and, and it's funny. But I do think it's worth noting because when you're a program like Texas, you are trying to get over a certain hump, right? Uh, it's been a long time since Texas has met expectations. It's been a long time since they've done what they are supposed to do as a quote unquote blue blood in this sport. And I think there's a, a sense of, I guess it's, it, it's, tense it's a tense atmosphere right uh we've we've been there as as fans i think for us most notably the washington capitals you could feel it in the building if you went to a capitals playoff game before they won the stanley cup every single thing that went wrong it's like the entire fan base was holding its breath and i you you could sense that it had an impact on 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 the players, too, because it, it, they're humans, they're, they're all humans and they're not robots and they feel that they sense that kind of thing, they, they sense that tenseness. And I think when you have a program like Texas that is trying to get over this hump that has this this weight of expectations on it. And then you have three quarterbacks. It reminds me very much of uh, Chris Sims and major Applewhite back in the day where they were constantly going back and forth and the fan base was divided. And it was always a question of who's going to start. And I don't know that, you know, that's the, the healthiest way to come together as a team. You, of course, you want talent everywhere and talent makes uh, the competition and talent makes everybody better. But I also think it, when you have these weighty, lofty expectations, you want to know who your guy is. And and nobody has said Quinn yours is not the guy, but I think things can change very quickly. And I think the fan base could turn very quickly. If Quinn yours is going out and putting up games where he's not completing 60% of his passes, especially if Texas is not winning those games, there's going to be calls from Malik Murphy. There's going to be calls for Arch Manning. And uh, I heard Quinn years do an interview at media day last week where he talked about he got in his own head a little bit last season. He went down the rabbit hole of social media. He specifically talked about the passion of Texas fans and how he kind of let <laughs> you know, the, the social media comments get to him. And I just don't know if having guys like Malik Murphy and Arch Manning behind him is going to be the best thing for a team that's trying to get over the hump with all these lofty, weighty expectations.
1: And just the way that pressure is on coaches these days too, because I'm assuming Arch Manning agreed to go to the University of Texas thinking, I will start as a sophomore. I, I, I can't imagine that he... Thought there was an open competition with Quinn Ewers in there, or maybe he was instructed that way. But like, that's a a high profile returning quarterback. I mean, very quickly, I don't know if Sarkeesian said it or if or what happened, but we know Quinn Ewers is a starter. There's not a competition right now, and so, yeah, am I right? Yeah, I mean, he went to Big Twelve Media Days. I don't know that I've seen
0: anything where he said he's the starter. But if if you go to Media Days, you're the starter.
1: Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's just, uh, but yeah, Alabama's the, the second game of the year. Uh, those calls are going to come in very, very quickly. And then Sark, we talked about it. Like there's a lot of pressure on that. I mean, there's pressure on the head coach everywhere, but Texas where they haven't had success since Mac Brown left, like there's going to be a ton of pressure. So even if he was like, I have Quinn yours arch manning in the back pocket for next year, the calls are going to come if the struggles come early, and it's it's going to be fascinating to watch because we are talking about the betting favorite to win the league, and I know that it's happened before, and maybe we do or we don't agree with it, but like they're expecting it to go real well, but in a league like this, it can turn it can take a turn you know downhill pretty quick.
0: And Sarkisian did say after the spring, and it's pretty clear yours is our starter. He went to media day. He, he for all intents and purposes, he is going to be yeah. the starter. I don't think there's any debate about it. Yeah, I I just think that there is a lot of expectations on this program right now, and they need to prove it to me. They need to prove to me that they can get over that hump. I think it is one of the hardest things to do in college football is go from that just under that double digit win threshold to above to the 10 win threshold. I think that's a very big threshold and we can talk all day about what jumps are the hardest. Probably 10 wins, 12 wins in the regular season is probably the biggest jump, but I think right below that would be the 8 to 10 would be that 8 to 10 win jump and that's what Texas is looking to do. And uh you know, I I have a lot of questions about them. It it starts with yours, but it also includes they blew a bunch of leads last year. Like the, the advanced stats love them because they lost a bunch of one-score games. You think there's going to be a regression to the mean where they win some of those closer games, but they partially lost those games because they refused to run Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson at the end of games, and they went away from that, and, and they passed the ball. Sarkeesian was was passing the ball or choosing to throw the ball when you have a guy who was a running back, was a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, which doesn't happen anymore and they didn't lean on him as much as they probably should have so I think there's some some questions there they don't have either of those guys in the backfield anymore the the best thing I can say about Texas is they are very deep on both lines they've done a great job recruiting on the lines and that's something that in in previous eras they had they were always recruited well but a lot of the skill was at the skill positions and I think something that will always hold true in football is the best way to compete and win is to have your strength be in the trenches. And, and Texas has done a great job of that. I got to give them credit for that. I still am not ready to say that they should be the the odds-on favorite. I guess they should be the odds-on favorite. I'm just not prepared to bet on them in a league that is that has so much parity
1: in it. Are you? No. No, not at all. We'll get to best bets, but no, you're you're trying to find a little bit more value in in a league like this. I think you're totally right. You know, you mentioned uh, building in the lines uh, in the trenches, and we talked in a prior episode this summer about preparing for a new conference, and that's how they need to build from the inside out. I'm curious to get your take on this. I've always I've always wondered, like, how big of a deal is it? For the Big 12, as we look at the conference as a whole in our preview show, are are they like really, really, really rooting against Texas and Oklahoma this season as they get ready to go to the SEC? Does it matter?
0: Yeah, I think that certainly the teams in the conference, I think there is at least a little extra motivation or at least among the fan bases. I think a Kansas state fan is going to have a little extra juice. Uh, yeah, I don't think they play Oklahoma this year. Actually, I think they w- they would love to play Oklahoma with the success they've had against them recently, yeah. but uh, a-, a Kansas state fan, a Texas tech fan, whatever is going to have a little extra juice. If one of those two teams comes to town, I think it would do wonders for the perception of this league. If for the third straight year, neither Oklahoma or or Texas is in the championship game. And of course, neither one of them would win the conference championship. I think that would be a huge leg for them to stand on as they go into this new era of the big 12 to be able to say, yeah, those schools have great tradition, great history. They were a big part of this league for a long time. Oklahoma was one of the has far more conference championships. I think they have 14 and the next closest school has three big 12 championships but in recent years, the core teams that stayed with this conference were the ones winning the league. I think that would be a really big deal. Now, as far as perception goes now, in reality, going to the 12 team playoff, I actually don't think it matters at all. If we were going, if we were staying in the 14 playoff era, I would say it matters a lot more because perception becomes a lot more important than when you only have four playoff spots and there's five power conferences, inevitably somebody is going to get left out. And I think if we were staying in that era of, of the postseason, it would be a lot more important to the perception of the league and making sure somebody doesn't get left out in the future and maybe pushing the ACC down. I mean, I think pretty clearly uh, the big 12 is better than the ACC and the PAC 12 ACC might be a little more top heavy with Florida state possibly making a run this year. And Clemson, you know, being one of the best teams in the sport I think top to bottom no question that the big 12 is is better than the ACC so I think in a four-team era it would matter more with the 12-team playoff where you're going to get an automatic bid it probably doesn't matter as much but no as far as like tv contracts are concerned and Brett your mark just tied that one up but I think it matters to some extent just for the perception of the college of the college football fan how about you
1: yeah I think that's fair I I think that's the right way to look at it like uh, the I think fans are going to really not want them to go out with a win. I think um, – I mean, what was it? UCF lost in the American title game last year, right? And like is is that a huge deal, you know, that they got held out of that? I, I, I think the teams that are staying are excited about that. So I, I feel the same way. I think it's – I I think oh, this, you know, swings from conference to conference is so funny. I, I, I wasn't sure where to talk about this in this episode, but I did want to mention I thought it was so – funny and uh the big 12 media day for years and years and years including this past week was at the omni hotel in dallas texas i don't know if you saw this but uh it was announced that next year's sec media days is at the omni hotel in dallas texas and i was like what a swipe on the way in and and like i don't know it's it's such i I went to this media day once upon a time and like I only went once, but talking to guys who have covered teams for years, like, that's what you do. Come July, you go to Omni, you stay there, you go here for dinner. And, like, the SEC is just like, we'll take that. Thank you. That's going to be fun. Appreciate that. I thought it was a, a quite a move by the SEC.
0: Well, let me tell you, Brian, uh I think the Big 12 has upgraded a little bit since your day is covering the league because I believe it was at AT&T Stadium this
1: year at Jerry World. Oh, was it? Okay, yeah. I missed it. I missed it. Wow, big time. But big yeah, timers. Okay. It, is, yeah. it is We're quite not just a, going conference room to conference room anymore. We're at Jerry World. Okay. Oh, no, I think they, right. they, were, they were right
0: on the field there, right on the <laughs> field there at AT&T Stadium. Right. And, uh, yeah, that was quite a swipe by the, by the SEC just to, look, they got to establish – establish who's who's boss in town uh before we get into a little more preview stuff i want to ask you this while we're on a, a bigger picture topic around around realignment and uh you know as it relates to as it relates to these teams coming in these teams that that are leaving is it um do you think it's better that like it would it be better for the league if texas goes out, wins the league this year, and goes to the college ball playoff, or if you know, one of the core teams staying in the league wins but doesn't make the college ball playoff. Kind of along the lines of what we're talking about. Do you think it's better to have a
1: representative or not? If the representative is, yeah. is Texas. Is Texas, right? Um Yeah, I I, I would imagine if you're at the Big Twelve office, you're not really touting how much you love Texas at this point. Right. And so you kind of find yourself caught between a rock and a hard place. If that happens where the conferences want to hype up their teams that made the playoffs and the big 12 might be a little bit hesitant to do that. So I guess I'm leaning the ladder, but I would imagine I uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure if there's some sort of potential financial benefit for conference members. If, if someone makes a playoff. Uh, So like in that sense, it's, it's a no brainer. We get, you know, Money talks. I can put my hatred aside and, uh, you know, hook them. But um, yeah, I I think like they're not going to want to talk too loudly about the fact that hey, the Big Twelve's in it uh, and they're going to the SEC next year.
0: So how well do you think that the Big Twelve is set up for the future when you compare it to like the ACC to the Pac twelve, which I think are pretty clearly, you know, it's the, the SEC and the Big Ten are kind of on their own tier at least as far as. Financially, at this point, and then those other three conferences seem to be more on their own tier. I view it as the best position of those three other leagues, honestly, because I think that they have something, all these schools have something very important in common. All of these schools are committed to football at the highest level, and the ones that don't have the most historical success, like Kansas, is maybe the if not the most, the second most or third most or fourth most recognizable basketball brand in the country. These schools all have a commitment to the highest level of athletics that I don't think, you know, there's, let me put it this way. There's not a Boston College in this conference. There's not a, there's not a Vanderbilt in this conference. There's not a Cal in this conference. And and if, even if they don't necessarily all have geography in common at this point, they have that commitment to football, which I think is maybe more important than anything. where do you see them among those big 12 going forward among those three conferences?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I love what the newcomers are adding. Like they, the, all the the programs that joined the big 12 this year are playing their first big 12 football season. I don't know if this will make sense, but like, they haven't felt like G five teams for a while, right? Like they felt like power pro. I mean, Cincinnati made the playoff, right? Like these, these, Teams are real, true, competitive football programs. Um, If UConn comes, we'll have to have this conversation again. Though that also goes, you know, they're they're a recognizable basketball brand as well. And obviously very dedicated to athletics. But I do, I agree with you. I think it's incredibly well set up. I think they've maneuvered this quite well. There's obviously rumors too about Colorado and potentially other teams that could be joining the Big 12. But for right now, I really like where they're at.
0: Yeah, I'll go on the record right now and say I'm not in favor for any of the parties involved, the Big 12 adding UConn. I don't think it makes the most sense for the Big 12. I don't think it makes sense for UConn for any other reason but financially. I think UConn fans would hate it. They were so happy to get back into the Big East. They left the AAC because they didn't want to have a fake rivalry with UCF. They wanted to play Villanova. They wanted to play, you know, Georgetown, all the traditional teams they played in the Big East in basketball. Basketball is where their bread is buttered. And I don't like it from a UConn perspective. And I wouldn't love it from a Big 12 perspective because that takes away that identity that I just spoke about. Now you do have a Vanderbilt. Now you do have a Boston college. So I don't, I don't love it from that perspective. Um, But there'll be plenty of time to talk about that as the season goes on. And as we head into next off season, let's uh, stay on the field here. I want to talk about the other big dog in the conference, the, the truly one and only historic giant in this conference, Oklahoma, Texas's big rival. The it's so funny. We talk about Texas as this blue bud, Oklahoma is so much better historically than Texas. And, and I, Feel like it's my mission in life to remind people of that because it's so easily forgotten. Oklahoma has dominated that rivalry. They've dominated this conference. They had dominated this conference for a long time. And I said it. I think they have fourteen conference titles in the Big Twelve to Texas's three Big Twelve titles. I mean that that is domination. But they are the one and only big dog. Uh, they are also leaving the conference for the sec and if there was a a second or third storyline of last season it was that oklahoma took a pretty major step back in year one under brett venables and uh they were not the oklahoma that we've grown accustomed to so how prepared do you think that uh the sooners are to step back up this year and their last year in the big 12 brian
1: i think they're position fine uh, i'm a, i'm looking forward to them you know coming back and kind of returning to to what we expect them to be. They did get blown out in a couple of conference games, uh, you know, TCU, Texas, Dylan Gabriel didn't play in those games. Right. And that matters. It does. He's the best quarterback in the league, in my opinion. Um, and quarterback's the most important position on the field. I just sort of, I'm still willing to pretty blindly trust that there will be defensive improvement for Brent Venable's teams. Um, and I think that they'll, I think that they're in position to make a run at the championship game. I really do. I like what they have on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, I don't want to spoil uh, uh, the bull and the bear segment, but they've they've added some pieces through the transfer portal that I think could make a really nice impact. Um, I like where they're at. I, I think this is a, an opportunity to bounce back. I, I don't expect them to have a sub five hundred record again or anything like that. Um, they three and six in the conference last year. I think this is a team. Like I feel better about Oklahoma potentially making a run to the championship than I do about Texas. Wow. That's a pretty big statement there, Brian,
0: after the year they had last year.
1: I, I just think that I think that there's not that many quarterbacks in this league that I feel like I can trust. And if I find one, I'd like to latch on to it. And I really do think Dylan Gabriel is a real deal. And I really do think that Brent Venables is going to show improvement. And so, I, yeah, I, feel, I, I like this team a lot. I do.
0: Yeah, I I'm really high on Gabriel too. I mean, I mentioned it, we talked about it before, but I think Daniels and Gabriel clear 1 2 in the league. And I'm glad to hear you kind of say that that you feel the same about him because I feel like he's gone pretty fairly under the radar this season. And I don't know if it's the fact that he did get injured in those two games. They lost them and then they were kind of just floating under the radar the rest of the year and people didn't see some of the numbers and he didn't he wasn't great every game. Towards the back, the back half of the season, uh, but he he still had some good performances in there. He he can make big time throws. Brent Venables is raving about this defense. Um, I I can't remember the exact quote from him, but he said something along the lines of, like, this defense is worlds different than last year. And I'm with you. I am willing to give Brent Venables the, the benefit of the doubt, where I'm not willing to give Texas the benefit of the doubt because of their history and inability to get over the hump. I am willing to give Oklahoma and Venables the benefit of the doubt because Oklahoma's history of history of success and of Venables history, of putting out fantastic defenses at Clemson. They brought in a lot of talent in the transfer portal. They've continued to recruit well uh, in Venables uh, under Venables. And I think we're seeing a big influx of talent on the defensive side of the ball. How quickly that gels remains to be seen. I think they have nowhere to go but up. I like their schedule early. So they were supposed to play Georgia in the non-conference this year and the sec had them cancel that series so you know they wouldn't have a game in one out of conference and then play each other again in conference so that's been moved so as far as their schedule goes they start the season arkansas state smu at tulsa at cincinnati versus iowa state before getting texas tech in red river uh, so i think that's a you know all things considered they can kind of ease into this thing. They can uh, build some confidence there, and then see where things go in the back half of the season. So, yeah, I'm. Well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I'm not sure I'm ready to bet the over on them, and that nine and a half is a fairly big number. Maybe you That's are. a Big number, big but number. I like I like Dylan Gabriel a lot. I I let me put it this way. I have more faith in Brent Brent Venables taking a step up with that Oklahoma defense, elevating their level than I necessarily do Quinn yours, elevating his level and becoming the best quarterback in the big 12. Let's put it that way.
1: I think that's fair. I think it's fair there's more historical evidence, right? That that's feasible with, with a Venables defense. No doubt. No doubt.
0: All right, let's move off these two teams that are leaving. Talk about some teams that are staying brian because as i mentioned earlier neither texas or ou has appeared in either of the last two big 12 championship games two years ago we had baylor and oklahoma state Uh, baylor ultimately coming away with a thrilling title game win, potentially knocking Oklahoma State out of the college ball playoff. And then last year, another thriller with TCU and Kansas State, Kansas State winning the Big 12 title, but TCU going to the college ball playoff and ultimately the national championship game. I listened back to our preview episode last year, Brian, and we both were high on Baylor and Oklahoma state, having a good chance to get back to the title game and (laughs) win the big 12 at like, I think it was either five to one or six to one odds on both those teams. We talked a lot about the continuity with Mike Gundy, um, the, the defense that Dave Aranda had built, and we thought they both had a, a really good chance to get back. Didn't happen that way. Uh, up and down seasons for both, um, Oklahoma State started off the year really hot. If Ben, I mean, Ben in our group texts last year was all about Oklahoma State all year long, talking about them early, and then they really fell off a cliff there. And uh, Baylor just up and down throughout the whole year. So, my question to you, Brian, is can TCU and Kansas State avoid the same fate that the Cowboys? And uh, the Baylor Bears did the year before and kind of stay in that upper echelon of the Big 12.
1: Yeah, so it it, it feels a a little like looking at two different situations. Because like you said, TCU went to the national championship game. I am not thinking that they're going to go back to the national championship game. I feel pretty confident in that, right? But as far as being competitive in the league, I I like Kansas State this year a bit more than I like TCU. And so here's my kind of thinking here, because Deuce Vaughn is gone. And like we talked about with Texas, you can't downplay the significance of losing a guy like that. He was felt like he was there forever. And he was a high impact guy from the moment he stepped foot on campus. And I'm also not going to list off the guys that they're going to try to use to replace Deuce Vaughn, because that's a fool's errand. They do have some guys who I think could be good and step in and have an impact. Um, But they have an experienced offensive line right they they returned five starters on defense i, I some questions about them lost lost some star power on that side of the ball but for me it's more about talking about TCU because i think they're banking a little bit too much on immediate impact offensive transfers and what they lost is is hard to replace max duggan was the guy who had been there forever he played obviously out of his mind last year and had been good for years before that and also garrett riley which i don't think you can overstate now I I think whatever you think about Kendall Bryles, he he can put together an offense. But I think the first year in an offensive system is hard to match what they did last year. And so TCU I actually think might struggle a bit. Um, You know, there's some – are there expectations? It's such a fascinating thing because they came from so out of nowhere to finish second in the country that it's like are people – expecting them to be competitive in the big 12 or are they expecting them to make that sort of return. So I have TCU as sort of a, a middle of the pack in a jumbled big 12 this year, Kansas state, I think is a team that I really do think can compete for a championship again. Um, you know, not to pull the same thing we did last year. If we listen back to this one and they, and they fell off a cliff as well, but I like Kansas state. I think they're built a little bit better for sustainable success. I love an experienced offensive line. Um, and so, I think the Wildcats might be the team that I like a little bit more out of those two this year.
0: I agree with that. I like Kansas State a little bit better. One of my favorite things in the uh, Pick Six Previews magazine, one of the preseason magazines, is uh, they rate player development and win conversion. Those are two stats they have. Player development basically compares the recruiting rankings of the players coming into your program versus how many NFL draft picks you produce a few years later. And win conversion compares your recruiting rankings to how many wins you actually end up producing. Kansas State is number one in win conversion. Kansas State is number 11 in player development. Uh, that program just, it, it's, it's a fantastic development program. They don't get the highest rated recruits, but they develop them and they win games. Having said all that, Deuce Vaughn is a guy that was absolutely special, Brian. He's a guy who at 5 foot 5 led the Big 12 in carries last year and now is going to play in the NFL. Uh, he he's just a difference maker. He's a guy that was a special player that doesn't come around every day. And I am worried about their, I'm, I'm worried about their ability to be explosive. Let, let's not forget, going into last season, Adrian Martinez was the starting quarterback and remained the starting quarterback for a large portion of the year over Will Howard. Will Howard, I think the offense was better when Will Howard was in there, but he had Deuce Vaughn. And I don't think much like Bijan Robinson at Texas, I don't think we can underrate the importance of Deuce Vaughn. So I do. I was surprised to see Kansas State as the, the team that was ranked second in the Big 12 media poll. I think it's inevitable that they have to take a step back. But I see I just see this whole league right now as a bunch of teams that are going to win that are going to lose three games, that are going to lose two to three games in game yeah. conference. And I think we could have a crazy tiebreaker scenario where there's four teams sitting there with three losses for the for the second Big 12 championship spot. So I do think both teams take a step back, but I don't think they take a step so far back that they're six and six or anything like that.
1: Sure. Yeah. No, I don't think so either. I think that they both have a ton of talent. I think TCU uh, has done a great job recruiting i mean they brought in the like i don't want to downplay the fact that they got two alabama offensive players to transfer in and and that's no small feat right so i i think you know, who they have uh trey sanders the running back who's was like a really really highly rated recruit and jojo were all the receiver as well so i, I think like they're going to have the guys, but you're right. You know, this could have been our whole big 12 preview episode was the sentence you said just there of, yeah, everybody's going to have three or four losses and two teams are going to emerge. And it's kind of a quintessential big 12 year. And that's why it's going to be so fun. I'm really excited for this league.
0: Well, you know, that's one of the things that stands out to me when I look at this league, when I just take a step back and look at this league from a 30,000 foot view here is I, I think about the names that are no longer in this league right now. I've talked about Bijan Robinson and, um, and Deuce Vaughn a lot, but if you just look at the draft picks in the first round, you had Tyree Wilson uh, from Texas Tech, you had Will McDonald from Iowa State, Quentin Johnston from TCU, Anton Harrison, an offensive tackle from Oklahoma, Felix Anu. Anudike Uzoma from Kansas State, who was a star all year. Julius Brents from Kansas State in the second round. Marvin Mims from Oklahoma in the second round. Steve Avila from TCU. There's just so many guys. I'm not going to read every draft pick, but you you get my point here. There's a lot of big names that were in the league last year that were impact players that are, are no longer in this league. So I it makes it just a really tough league to forecast. And then you add in the fact that you have these newcomers, these four new schools coming into the league. And how do you you forecast them? So that'll be our third question here. And to finish off our three downs is, what are you expecting from these th- four newcomers as a whole, Brian? I don't need you to go school by school or anything like that. But as a whole, what do you expect from this this group of
1: four new teams that will be a huge part of the Big 12 moving forward? I expect them to trip some teams up. I don't expect them to necessarily – I don't think that – I don't think that any of them are going to make a run at the at the league title this year. Um, if there is a team that I think is positioned to do it, it would be UCF. But I think they might be a, a year or two of Big 12 recruiting away. Um, but I do like what they have. But like I said, I just love the additions that the conference made. These they are going to be competitive. They, they brought – four G five schools in and they still don't have the Boston college. Like you talked about, right. These every, they're, they're going to fight against every team. And I'm really excited to see it. Like I, I, you know, looking at these team schedules and you, you see Houston, I feel like when Houston would play a big 12 team in the non-con, it was like, Oh, that's going to be fun. And now it's like, they're all over everybody's schedule. And I can't wait to see how they play it. So I think it's just going to be fun as much as anything in year one that, um, I think the future of the conference is very bright because these matchups are going to be great. These schools are all going to recruit at a Big 12 level now. And I think I really do expect them to be competitive in the next five years or so, really competing for championships.
0: There's two things that I really wish we could have seen. I wish we could have seen the Cincinnati playoff team under Luke Vickle. Play this season in the Big Twelve. I would have loved to see mm. that and see how a vintage Cincinnati team really stacks up. Because this is a different Cincinnati team now that Luke Fickle's gone, uh, Scott Satterfield's in. You know they struggled a lot offensively last year. Defense was still really good, but they lose a lot on on defense uh, for the season ahead. They they're pretty low in a lot of the returning production numbers here. So we're not getting necessarily a vintage. Cincinnati team I would have loved to seen that and seeing how they stacked up and uh, the other thing I would have really loved to see um, is last season you know last season was not a vintage UCF team but if they return the offensive line that they had last year with John Rice Plumley, I would have really, I would have really been intrigued by UCF at thirty-five to one to win the league this year because I think that's going to be a unique. I love unique attacks. I love something that you're not seeing every week, and I, uh, I think UCF provides that. I think Gus Malzahn is a fantastic coach, a guy who's been through the ringer at Auburn, and um, I think he's a great guy to lead them into this league but I would I would have been super interested to see UCF with an experienced offensive line like the one they had last year and bringing that into the big 12 as things stand uh, they don't have that and I don't want to touch that at 35 to 1 but I would have really liked to see I think they trip somebody up though with that unique attack John Rice Plumlee he's got legs great rushing attack there I think they'll trip somebody up I think all these teams will trip somebody up
1: yeah. Uh I've it's so funny. I've I've been staring at that 35 to 1, dude. Eight starters back on offense. They don't play Texas. I don't hate the way the schedule shapes up. I'm like, listen. I I think that this is a year like I said where like really teams like one through call it 8 or 9 no order is gonna surprise me. And it's really funny for someone to say that on a preview show where I'm supposed to act like I know what I'm talking about. But like that's what I feel. And I would group them into that. They might finish ninth in the league and trip one team up and okay, looking forward to how they compete in the next two, three, four years. But if we look up in early November and and you know, they're they just need to pull one more upset and they're in the championship game talk. I'm not gonna be surprised by it.
0: I think here's my biggest piece of advice as far as it is when it, as it comes to gambling, as we think about things, I know we're going to actually get into our best bets, but as we talk about this more, I think my strategy is in conference games early in the season. It's going to be, if you can get a home dog, take the, if you can get the home dog, take the home dog. If you're getting points, Take points. I think there's going to be a lot of surprises in this league and anybody is going to have the ability to jump up on it. Any given, any given Saturday, let's be more cliche and uh, get a win. <laughs> so I think that's how I'll play this early in the season here. All right. Those are our three questions. I think those are three things that were critical to understand this league, or at least as much as we can understand this league. Let's get into quickly, Brian, here, bull the bull and the bear. What are you buying? What are you selling? I'm going to start with the bull here, who I'm buying. That's Steve Linton. He's an outside linebacker, edge from Texas Tech. Uh, He's a transfer from Syracuse, where he did not put up big numbers in any way, shape, or form. But I have now heard Joey McGuire rave about him. And I read an article from On3 uh, from a little while back, I think it was this was back in May, where somebody on the Texas Tech staff, uh, their director of player personnel, basically described how he was just not used properly for his skill set. At Syracuse, and they feel like uh, they 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 have the ability to allow him to do a lot more things. Really big, long guy, six five, not as uh not as heavy as Tyree Wilson was, who was like closer to I think like 270, 275 This guy's like two twenty five. But Steve Linton is a guy that I'm hearing a lot about from people at Texas Tech from the coaching staff at Texas Tech. So I'm buying him to make a really big impacts impact uh in that Tim Daruder defense.
1: I like it. I am also buying a second level defensive transfer in the league. I hinted at it earlier. Uh Desan McCullough transferred to Oklahoma, was a was a freshman All American or at least a, a candidate for that at, at Indiana. Had four sacks, a bunch of tackles for losses last year. You put a guy like that in a position to get coached by Brent Venables, I think it's a recipe for big-time success. So I'm really excited to watch him step in and make an impact, but we're on the same wavelength there. There are some exciting defensive players joining the league, and it's going to be a fun one to watch.
0: No doubt about it. My bear is this idea, and I've touched on it several times already today, but I'm going to hammer it home, that losing Bijan Robinson and Deuce Vaughn is not a big deal. Texas? To win the league. Kansas State picked second in the league. You were talking about a guy in Bijan Robinson who was a first round NFL draft pick. I should have looked up how many first round NFL draft picks there's been over the last five years, but I'll tell you the answer. It's not many. I don't need the exact number. There's not a lot of them for a guy to get picked that high. I think he went eight. Was it eight to the Falcons? Uh, he's yeah. he's something special. Anybody who watched the game saw that he was something special. And it was very clear during that NFL draft process, there were people who watch a lot of college football who were like, oh yeah, it makes sense why they're talking about him going as high as he's going. And then there's people who just watch the NFL and they see the names and they just see running back. And they're like, why is a running back? It's like, well, because you haven't watched Bijan Robinson. He's just that good. <laughs> uh, and then Deuce Vaughn, 5'5", five, five, leads the big 12 in carries that is unreal he's not not just is he a small running back but he's a small workhorse running back who's explosive as can be a huge part of that kansas state program and i just think this notion that everybody is going to be able to move on just fine without those guys i think it's a it's really doing a disservice to how good those two players are so that's a a very roundabout way i guess of of being bearish but i am bearish on this idea that it's not a big deal to lose those two running backs.
1: Hey, I get it. I get it. You're passionate about it. I think you're right too. Uh, I'm selling, uh, well, yet another newcomer to the league. Uh, Keaton Slovis is going to be the the starting quarterback for BYU this year. Um, he's on to his third school, you know, QBs at third schools. I, I would love some numbers on that. I don't think there's a, a super high hit rate. He completed less than 60% of his passes at Pitt last year, 10 touchdowns to nine picks. I think you know we're talking about all these defenses that we think are going to improve this year. I think he's going to get beat up a bit. So uh, that's my my selling on this.
0: J.T. Daniels and Keaton Slovis were teammates at USC. <laughs> at USC. J- at both USC. Both on their third
1: school. Yeah. Oh, I, oh oh
0: oh, buddy. J.T. Daniels is what on his fourth school. Fourth school. He has been. Where did he go? But, oh, Georgia, Georgia, West Virginia, West Rice. Virginia, and now Rice. Yeah. So between yeah, those yeah, two yeah, guys, seven <laughs> schools between them. Uh, if that's not a, if that's not like just a, the microcosm of modern college <laughs> football, then, then I don't know what it is. It's, I, yeah. I, I mean, I specifically remember watching those two guys at USC and the conversations like, Oh, maybe Slovis is actually better. Cause it was Slovis took over for Daniels when he got hurt. Right.
1: That's right. Yep. And he yeah. had a great game. Yeah.
0: It's crazy, crazy, crazy. Oh right, yeah. We'll see. I mean, I would have, you know, if there was a third thing I'd like to have seen in this league from the newcomers, it's Jaron Hall in the in the Big Twelve because mm. he was a special quarterback and uh, would have liked to see what he did in this this pass happy league. Yeah. Okay. Let's do some bets, Brian. Uh, Let's go back and forth here. I'm going to start off with my first one, and I don't think it's going to come as any surprise given what I said about my skepticism on Quinn yours. I am taking Texas under nine and a half wins. Juiced to plus 120 on DraftKings is where I got that one. And uh, yeah, I don't need to to belabor all of it again. I think I made my points pretty clear. I don't, uh, I just don't, trust that Quinn yours is taking that leap. They have a lot around him, but I think taking that step from eight to 10 wins is, is a huge one. And let's not forget they have Alabama at Alabama in the first couple weeks of the season, in week two, in their non-conference. And, you know, everybody's like, there's questions about Alabama at quarterback. Well, I have questions about Texas at quarterback, and I like everything else that Alabama has better than everything else Texas has. I mean, yeah, Texas has built a great roster, but Alabama has built an Alabama roster. It's always a great <laughs> right. roster. So uh, give me the tide in Bryant-Denny Stadium for an out-of-conference loss there. And then I think everybody in this league, I, I would, I, if I could bet this, I would. Everybody in this league will have at least two conference losses. So give me the Longhorns under nine and a half.
1: I like it. I like it. All right. I'm starting off with a conference winner. Uh, just getting right into the thick of it. So we talked a lot about uh, some of the jumble, right? And and there's a few teams who in big 12 seasons when everything is jumbled up, they, they – it always seems like they have a home game in November where they control their destiny to go play for a conference championship. So at 16 to 1, and I brought a prop, Stephen, for the YouTube viewers. Here we go. Give me the Baylor Bears. 16 to 1. I feel like everywhere you look, there are guys with experience at important positions, right? Blake Shapin, he has more experience at quarterback. I but they don't throw the ball like they did when they were consistently winning Big 12 championships. They don't need to rely on him. Richard Reese, solid running back who returns. Uh, They avoid Oklahoma. They get Texas at home. I love the Utah game early on as sort of like a a feel-it-out vibe check. I like Baylor, 16 to 1 to win the championship.
0: I think that one's going to come down to how that offensive line performs this year. It was supposed to be a really good offensive line last year. It wasn't and, uh, they retooled it a little bit. They got a couple transfers in there. And I think that's going to be a, a, a big key Reese, really good big 12 offensive freshman of the year. I think I agree. I think he's in for big things this year. I, look, I don't have a championship pick on my list. So, you know, more power to you. I couldn't find one that I really liked. Um, so uh, yeah, more power to you, Brian, for going with the Baylor bears there and big props on the prop as well. My second bet here is I'm going Iowa State over five and a half wins. This is a team like Texas that lost a lot of close games last year. Great defense, not a very good offense. I think that it's more likely, or I think it's it's easier for a team that's kind of fighting around that five, six win range to, to kind of make that step up where they might turn some of those close wins or close losses into wins. Iowa State, also a program that's great in that win conversion metric I talked about earlier. Matt Campbell. It's it's so funny. It's so easy to forget that Matt Campbell was one of the hottest, if not the hottest name in coaching a couple years ago. And they have one bad year and it's like, okay, everybody forgets what he can do. I'm putting my faith in Matt Campbell. I think he's one of the best coaches in college football. I think he runs a great development program. And when you're at a development program, you're going to take those step back, steps back. It's how quickly you jump back up. And I think they do jump back up to... Being a bowl team this year, I think they're a six or seven win team. Uh, I think Hunter Deckers can take a step forward. I don't think there's necessarily anything preventing him from taking another step forward. If we're, you know, I compared him to Quinn Ewers earlier. I think Ewers is better, certainly. Like, don't get me wrong. Ewers is the better quarterback. I'm not trying to exaggerate here. Uh, But they were a very young team last year. And I think they're growing together they had some problems on the offensive line this year, last year. I think that will be a, a little bit better, but more than anything, this is a bet on Matt Campbell and what he's proven to do over the course of his tenure at, uh, at Iowa state, uh, program. That's not historically great. So I, I'm taking the, the cyclones to get back to a bowl game.
1: I like it. I got one more for you, and I don't know how you're going to feel about this. It goes against kind of a lot of the hype that I feel like I've heard. Um, I'm going Texas Tech under seven and a half wins. So they've a lot of starters, 17 starters. And and generally, that's what you like to see in a team trying to get over the top. But I, I really don't like how their schedule sets up. They're going to Baylor and hosting K-State back-to-back in October is tough. I think ending with UCF and at Texas is tough. I think they have Oregon and non-con, if I'm not mistaken. So that's going to be tough. Um, so I think they're going to have to win – at least one, maybe two games that uh, that I don't think they're going to to get to that eight-win plateau. Uh, they won eight last year, including the bowl game. So, you know, they're, they're on an upward trajectory. But, again, it's just like one of those years where everybody's going to lose a handful of games in the league. I think they're going to take a loss to Oregon in the non-con. And then if they lose one more that, that they're maybe not expected to, I think this is a bet that's going to hit. So I'm going under on the Red Raiders. Sorry, Patrick Mahomes.
0: Man, that's tough because I really I just love everything about Joe McGuire. They're fun. They're fun, and yeah. everything he's bringing, and how well they're recruiting, and the fact that they go for a million times on fourth down, and uh, Zach Kitley's the offensive coordinator. And you want to get on, you want to get on that bandwagon, but when the hype gets too high, you gotta be looking to go under, honestly. So I like mm-hmm. it. I like it from that perspective. <laughs> just going contrary there. I didn't realize they play Oregon this year. That'd be, that's going to be an interesting game. Actually, I think It'd they they host them because that'll be they do they pretty host cool. Them. Wow, that's I like wow, you know yeah. All right, well that's gonna be one. I gotta look. I wonder if there's a line out on that one yet because uh Oregon traveling to Lubbock is a game at least like first half. I'm looking to get in on Texas Tech probably because yeah. that place is gonna yeah. be fired. Up, I got one more for you, Brian. I am going Cincinnati under five and a half wins. There is a metric that I like from Colin Wilson of the the Action Network. It's called TARP transferring assets and returning production essentially measures returning production along with uh, the players that you have coming in via the transfer portal and Cincinnati is 124th out of 133 in TARP they had a really good defense last year not a very good offense they don't bring back a ton of returning production they go undergo the coaching change with Scott Satter- Satterfield in Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin I feel like they are kind of prime for a big let down year here. If Fickle was still there, and this is nothing against Scott Satterfield, but it takes time for any coach to come in and establish his own culture, much like Brent Venables at Oklahoma, right? He took over a really good program, but it still is a transition. It's still a process. Uh, I combine that, the, the coaching change, the lack of returning production, and the fact that they're taking this step up into the Big 12. And I, I think they're primed to miss out on a bowl game. I'm going to go under five and, ha- five and a half. For the Cincinnati Bearcats. Any more for you or are you you done on the bets? I'm all tapped out. All tapped out. So no no conference championship bets for me. I'll tell you the one I did look at a lot, Brian. I was <laughs> I like elite units, right? That's something I talk about <laughs> a lot. Do you know where I'm going with this? Let's the, hear it. The elite unit in this league, I think could be the Kansas offense. And I was looking, (laughs) looking, looking at, can I go in on Kansas here? Can I justify it? A team that two years ago, I listened back to our preview episode and we were talking, talking about Kansas. And I said, I was interested in betting them over two and a half wins. And you (laughs) laughed, you laughed in our preview episode for over two and a half wins. So I I think they can, they're going to have a really good offense. Um, the odds on Kansas to win this league are 48 to one. It's a huge, huge number. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I can't give it out in good faith because that defense is just so bad and they'd have to take a really, really big step up. But they, I think they're going to be fantastic on offense this season. Jalen Daniels uh, is going to be one of the most fun players in the league, if not the country, to watch. They are number one in Bill Connolly's returning production on the offensive side of the ball in the country, returning 91% of their production on offense. I want to do it. I couldn't do it, but I am excited to watch the Kansas Jayhawks and uh and continue to watch their ascent. Brian, it was a pleasure. As always, this will be the first of many conference previews we have coming up in the next six weeks ahead. Uh, I will talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to everybody out there. and Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold.